Hello, creative people. Welcome to Creative Conversations. My name is Hollis Citron, and we are so happy that you have chosen to spend this hour with us. So I am owner and founder of I Am Creative and Express Yourself Publishing, and I am on a mission to expand the definition of creativity beyond a pencil and a paintbrush and empower people, especially adults, to own their voice that come in so many different forms. So this space was created to talk with people with all different jobs, hobbies, and interests, and have conversations about experiences and perspectives all centered around three questions. One, how do you define creativity? Two, how do you incorporate it into your life? And three, why do you think it's important? Then we have a free-flowing conversation and we see where it goes. So I have had the opportunity to talk to musicians, Reiki masters, mediums, doctor, lawyer, real estate agents, and so many more. And these conversations explore the reality that creativity is not cute, it is necessary. People have defined creativity as their soul's essence, courage, imagination, basically all that we are and wanna be. So sharing these stories expands one's thinking and opens up self-expression to feel more empowered, connected, and dare I say, happy. My inspiring guest for today is Wendy Olson. Wendy is a healing coach, founder and president of Grit Plus Gumption Farmstead, and she believes in the power of story to change and shape people's lives. Wendy walks with women through the stories of past hurts and traumas and guides them to find their own freedom and healing. Through grit plus gumption, she serves survivors of sexual exploitation and domestic violence. She believes everyone has a story. And even if that story is really hard, it doesn't mean the rest of the story has to be. So beautiful. Wendy, welcome to the space. Hey, okay. There we go. I am so sorry. <laughs> I'm tapping and nothing's happening. I was like, no. Okay. I know it gets stressful. Okay, just breathe. <laughs> Big deep breath, everybody. We made it. <laughs> you made it. Yes. <laughs> Already winning. Okay. <laughs> oh my gosh. Happy Friday. Yes. Thank you, Jesus. It is Friday. Okay. <laughs> I, I don't know how much longer I could go on with this week. <laughs> was it it was it a tough one uh yeah they're just long they're the weeks are long guys like is it not is it is that not the case i don't know maybe it's just me <laughs> i don't know it's been it's been kind of flying but anyway so why don't we i want to welcome the people that are here with us live very very happy to have you here thank you um and any questions or comments feel free to put them in the chat below so wendy Tell us a little bit more about yourself, please. Yes, thank you for the lovely introduction. You know, I never really know what to say about myself. Usually when people ask me what I do, I'm like, oh, I'm just a mom, you know, <laughs> but I also do all of these other things. I, I'm a writer. I love to write. I've been writing since, you know, I learned how. And um, I walk with women through their most horrible stories and um, sit with them in their their trauma and try to just show them the path, you know, of like, of freedom, just the path that I walked, you know? Um, yeah. So that's what I love to do. I love to talk about trauma. Um, and then I founded this nonprofit too, like you said, and, um, yeah, so doing all the things 
wearing all the hats and just um, trying to live the dream. That's that's what I'm trying to do most days. Mm. Isn't it weird when you do hear um, when somebody reads your bio back? You're like, wow, I do a lot. Look at look at her. She looks fancy. <laughs> she sounds like she wears a suit. She does not. <laughs> she sounds like she knows what she's talking about. Who is that? I don't know her. But the thing is, I think, is that we, this is who we are. We live it. And when we're in it, it's that, what's that whole saying? Um, mm, you can't see it. it. Yeah, you can't. There's some fancy way of saying it that I can't think of it right now. But yeah, it's like we realize, I have people say to me, like, how do you do all that you do? Like, aren't you? I'm like, what do you mean? <laughs> it's just, it's just doing it. Like, what's, what's the big deal? Isn't everybody... <laughs> I went to the doctor one time and she was like, do you live a stressful life? And I was like, um, is that not okay? I don't understand. <laughs> is there any other way to live? Like, Repeat the question. Exactly. I don't understand what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, this is going to be a good conversation and I already can feel that we're going to be laughing a lot too, which is a good thing. Hey, trauma's funny. Okay, let's laugh about it. Like, <laughs> life, you got to laugh. Otherwise, you know. Yeah. Well, what's the option? What's exactly. the other option? What's the other option? Let's just laugh about it. Sickness, anger, all that kind of stuff. That's just. It's no way to nobody, live. Nobody wants awful. any of that. It sounds awful. So <laughs> here we go. So we're going to do the first. Um, we're going to do the would you rather question. And then we're going to dive into our first of three questions. So, mm, okay. Okay. Here we go. So Wendy, would you rather be forced to dance every time you heard music or sing along to every song you heard? Oh, dance. You don't want to hear me sing. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I will not subject anyone to my singing. I would rather torture them with my dancing. I would rather dance. <laughs> Do you do this already? Like when music comes on, do you just start moving? Um, I feel like I'm always moving, um, but it depends on the mood that I'm in, you know? And if it's, if my kids are in the car and I want to embarrass them, obviously I'm going to start dancing. <laughs> obviously. <laughs> and the only way I know to sing is really loud. So <laughs> you'd think I was trained in musical theater. I was not. <laughs> but I do project. <laughs> Speaking to the back of the room. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I am loud. I um, have raised loud children. So here we are. My Isn't it daughter. funny? Like we wonder sometimes, like, why are they doing what they're doing? And then you're like, oh, oh because crap, I do me. that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now, I get, that came out now I get it. <laughs> my, my son got in trouble at school the other day because he called the other kids dicks. <laughs> Oh my God. <laughs> and I laughed because I was like, oh, that was me. I said that. <laughs> You're not in trouble. It's fine. Thanks, whatever. <laughs> oh my God. How old are your kids? Uh, my son is 16 and well, he'll be 17 next month, which whew, makes me feel really old. And then my daughter's nine. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Just made me think of um, at one point when I forget the word they were using. One of the, one of my jobs, it was like a, a high school and in Philly and um, I forget what they kept calling each other across the room. Oh, I don't know if it was Dick Eater or what it was, but it was something. And as I, you know, just walking around the room, I'm like, could we pick a different word? <laughs> like, that's just, like, it's not appropriate. 
But if you're going to be saying something, switch it up a little bit. Like it's the same thing all the time. You have to be creative. <laughs> you Hello. Have to be. With your words. Be creative with your words. Come entertain on. Entertain me at least. <laughs> you can't be awful. Come on. It's entertaining. Oh my gosh. I just also thought, so I dance in the car. I dance in the car. I dance around. But my 21-year-old recently said to me, he's like, could you just, he's like, you have the same move every time. <laughs> yeah. He's like, could you switch it up a little bit? I'm like, I don't know. It's the first thing that comes to me. This is, this is my move. Okay. But thanks, thanks for bringing it to my attention. I'll, I'll, I'll change it. Uh, notes to self. Find a new move. <laughs> just like I told them to find a new word, find a, find a new move. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh god okay so here we go so wendy how do you define creativity mm, man i thought about this question and i was like you know when i think of creativity i think of the created okay like i believe that we're spiritual beings having this human experience which sometimes sucks um but my personal belief is you know tied to my faith which is what i, I believe that we have a creator we're created in their image right and so this person, this one that like created us has to be really creative because we don't all look alike. We don't all think alike. Our bodies don't all work the same. Like that's pretty creative in itself, which means that all people, the people that say, oh, I'm not creative are just not realizing their truth or like walking in their purpose. So I believe, you know, we we're created for a purpose and it may be our lifelong job to figure out what that is, but like, hopefully we get there, right? Hopefully one day, but being creative means a lot of things to me. I think like my accountant is creative, right? Cause they help me with my taxes. Oh yeah. I don't know how to do that. Um, I think the person who can organize a closet in two hours flat is creative because I can't, I keep running out of space everywhere, but somehow they find space and that's amazing. <laughs> right. uh, but we all have these like creative juices flowing through us and not to, to see those gifts that we have in us is like a real disservice, not only to ourselves, but like to the world, right? If you're not fully showing up as your true self, then you're cheating the world out of you. Oh my God. I love that. Cheating the world out of you. It's so true. I mean, everything that you're just saying, I'm like, you know, shaking my head. Uh-huh. 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 Um, first of all, beautiful in point in the words that you use that we're spiritual beings having a human experience, but the fact that we are created and we all look, yes, we're humans um, in the sense that we have generally the same parts, mm -hmm. people are, you know, maybe missing something here and there, but we're all, we all look different. Mm, yeah. We Very all different. look different. We have different abilities. We have similar skill sets, but we're individuals that have, we have our brains, which allow us to, and our eyes, which like cameras allow us to see things from different perspectives in different ways. So even though we're both standing in the same place, we won't see the same thing. And isn't that weird? Does, I, does anyone else find that weird to me? Like, how can you both stand next to each other? And this is scientifically proven that two people can witness an event, but have a completely different experience of it. Like what? Yeah. That blows my mind. It's that whole thing, don't you think? I mean, like emotions get involved. Our stories get involved. 
um, maybe we get distracted for a minute and then look back and we miss a second of what happened, which then translates everything else. It's like that domino effect of, well, you missed that. So then you just are perceiving that this happened, even though you missed this important component of the event or it's just, it is, it's amazing. We bring ourselves into each experience, right? And ourselves come with our own experiences. So the only thing that you really have in this world that's true is your experiences of the world. And when you show up and something happens to you, say there's a crowd of people there, different people are going to be triggered um, accelerated by something maybe from their past, from their own story that helps them translate what they're actually seeing. So <clears throat> perfect example. You have like one of the, you have a tragic event, 10 people are there. Five of those people may walk away with absolutely no bother at all. The other five may develop PTSD from it. And it's just like, you're, our brains are so different. Like we're born with all different brains anyway, right? Like my son has ADHD. My daughter also has ADHD, but they have two totally different kinds of ADHD. And so like even their two ADHD brains are completely different. So everyone is bringing their own experience to the table. And that's, that, that's, that's where the world gets really complex, but very interesting. Well. Right. Right. I mean, because if we were all the same, that'd be boring as hell. Exactly. Robots. We don't be robots. <laughs> it's no fun. Be, it is absolutely no fun. Um, so you want to, even though you don't always agree or don't always resonate necessarily with somebody, variation, we need variation. We need the contrast in order to know what we like and what we don't like and, and allow people, like you said, to actually show up for who they are. And I like what you mentioned as well, which thank you for validating my whole company of I am creative. Um, You're welcome. Which, I'm <laughs> yeah, thank you. Um, which is why we're having these conversations when you said my accountant, these are, these are his skill sets or he or she, and they are good at this and they, you know, enjoy this space. And it's not my area of expertise. It's their area of expertise. And mm -hmm. um, this is their gift and an organizer. Oh my God, my friend, Cherry, she is incredible. She had a job in business logistics, working for Nabisco and other companies where she, oh my God, spreadsheets were like her world, which gives me anxiety thinking <laughs> about it. Um, where she was like looking at when trucks were coming in and, uh, you know, scheduling all of that and how much the trucks could hold. And when one thing got to another place and all of that was like, oh my gosh, then she had three kids and she stayed home, but then worked. And anyway, long story short, she's like, Hollis, I'm thinking about coming a personal organizer. What do you yes, think? Please. I'm like, oh my God, nothing makes more sense in this entire world than that. And, um, She's passionate about it and we need it. Yes. A hundred percent. If you can bring your gift to the world and share and it, like, that's just beautiful. I mean, and getting to the road of like even finding your gift is long and hard, but if you're willing to do the work to get there, it's, it's going to be worth it. You're going to thrive. Yeah. So tell us about in all that you do, this grit plus gumption farmstead, you, like what you've done up to this point, please give us a, a little bit more detail. You've got quite a story. Oh man. Um, like how I got to a place where I decided I'm going to build a nonprofit. 
like, yeah, maybe. I was in the womb, okay? <laughs> the year was 1980. John Lennon was still alive. No. It all started there. <laughs> um, man, I, I have lived a lot of lifetimes in my 41 years that most people don't get to live in the first couple decades of their life. Um, I... I live with PTSD and complex trauma every day from um, everything that I've, I've gone through and experienced in my life from childhood trauma to assault to um, just exploitation. I mean, there, there isn't much that I haven't experienced in the world that uh, there's not much left. Let's just say that. Um, I've been through addiction of all kinds. Love a good addiction. I mean, that's super fun. Um, um, I can get addicted to anything. It's great. Um, So I just, a a few years ago, you know, I had worked, um, you know, as you do, you eventually grow and mature and like, hopefully... Um, you get married, you have some kids. And then right in your like mid thirties, it's like, Hey, this is the perfect time for a midlife crisis. Cause you're like already raising children and probably screwing it up. So let's also have a major life meltdown then. And then that will be good for everybody. <laughs> oh my gosh. Can't so, relate. I, I know I'm the only one that's ever happened to you. Like, um, perfect timing, you know, in the middle, middle of toddler hell and just trying to find my purpose, realizing I can't just be a mom. Like there's gotta be something else for me to do. And I remember we, a good friend of mine and I decided we're going to start a party planning business. I had been a party planner before. Cause like I said, I've done everything. And, mm-hmm. and I, we had something happen and I just turned to her and said, listen, I can't do something that I don't feel like is important. I can plan a party. That's easy. Like I do that in my sleep, but it's not important to me. So I started getting into anti-trafficking work in like late 2014, reluctantly, begrudgingly, didn't want to do it and just felt really called to the work and tried to figure that out for a couple of years. Ended up, of course, because I hadn't been doing my own healing work, crashing and burning and burning out and having to take two years off from that kind of work, which when you do that kind of thing, secondhand trauma is real. And if you're not doing your own healing work, you are, you're going to, you're, you're not going to last. Yeah. So I try to come back to it. I have like a health crisis and I try to come back to the work and um, a, fr- a good friend of mine who runs a nonprofit down in Waco said, you know, the best way to have longevity in this type of work is to know your story well. And I kind of laughed to myself. I was like, oh, I got a story. Like, I know my story, you know. And she pointed me towards um, Dan Allender's work with the Allender Center and doing story work and narrative-focused trauma care. And I really just dove head in. I think I read that first book within 24 hours. It was so good. And I was like, this is what I need. Like, this is for me. You know, I'd been to therapy. I'd been to counselors. I'd been I tried AA and like all the things, you know, and nothing just really seemed to stick until I got here. I started doing story work and like probably three months later, I started facilitating story work at our 
at our church. I led three groups there, um, led women through story. And for some reason, I don't know, it resonated with them. I would just show up and like, I don't know, for some, like something happened. <laughs> I, I almost feel like I was just like, I got to be present for, for something, but I wasn't, I wasn't completely confident in what I was doing. So I just knew that I just had to show up and listen. Um, there's just not very many people that will just, Listen, you know, yeah. and, and create a safe space for you. So did that. And then um, last year, um, no, in 2019, started my coaching business doing that um, more individually with women, um, walking them through story, uh, did my certification um, with the Allender Center last year. And around that time, it was actually more of a grief project than anything else. But my, my grandmother, who for all intents and purposes is, was my mother, um, passed away last summer. And it was one of those moments in my life where I started to, of course, question everything that I was doing and feeling like nothing I'm doing matters. Um, and instead of throwing myself into work, I decided I was going to start a garden. And so I did that. I took myself outside. Um, I've never grown anything in my life other than children. And I <laughs> uh, started deciding, Hey, now I'm a farmer. Now this is what I do now. I'm a farmer. <laughs> um, miraculously, like things grew. I don't know. Um, it was weird. We ate food from our garden, like the whole nine yards. Now we live on two acres. So like we can, like and, and I tried to for, for the most part, like bought chickens, all the things. And I loved doing it so much and really felt healing in just getting out and putting my hands in the dirt, finding the, the bottom of like a root system of a, of a bush that I've been just trying to dig out and like get rid of for months now and digging it up and getting rid of it. And I, I had this revelation about a year ago now. And I called uh, a good friend of mine who runs a nonprofit survivor leader in Houston. And I said, I have this weird idea. But let me just run it by you, see if it's anything. And I talked about the the, the miraculous healing I felt through story work, but also just putting my hands in the dirt and digging up little root systems and getting rid of them so that they're no longer going to grow back. They're going to be gone. And she like she said she got really quiet for a second and she said, I just sat up. Can you say that again? And so I told her again and she said, That's what is missing. That's what's missing in in this work. What you just said is what's missing in our work when we're trying, when we're like, we're looking for healing, right? Everyone that comes out of sexual exploitation, everyone that comes out of a domestic violence or intimate partner violence relationship is looking for healing. We are not always ready for it when we first come out. But after a few years, we're like, okay, now what? And that's that's the point I always describe, like where our nonprofit is. It's not on the front end. We don't go, you know, drive up to people's houses and say, hey, jump in, you know, um, or go into places and people or, or help them leave their situation. We don't do that. We're the people that down the road after you left your situation, your life is quote unquote normal and you are bored as hell because you're like, why the hell did I leave this for this? Is this really all there is? We're that deeper level of healing 
that people long for, wonder about is even there. And that's where we come in. Oh my gosh. <laughs> it's just so beautiful. It's so, that word miraculous. I mean, yes, miraculous healing. I mean, there is something to be said touching the earth. First of all, it's that whole thing of being grounded mm. and, um, just the feeling of all of it with, uh, I'm thinking first with your feet, um, and just feeling that energy and closing your eyes and being in touch, but physically touching with your hands and molding and shaping and growing and nurturing, caring for like having an investment and a caring into these things that you've planted and growing and nurturing. It's just, it's beautiful. And I love what you said about taking out these root systems. There are so many analogies that go there. Yeah. Yeah. I love, um, I mean, I was probably this many years old when one of my best friends was like, you are not grounded. You need to go outside, take your shoes off and put your feet in the dirt. And I was like, what are you talking about? You hippie drippy thing. What you weirdo. <laughs> but I was so desperate. This is probably like a year ago. But I was so desperate. I was like, I'll give it a try. What the hell? You know? And I did. And I'm like, oh, the dirt is warm. It feels good. Like, oh, look, things are okay. Things are things are happening. I'm feeling I'm connected to the earth. I'm, I'm ground and, and like, I'm grounded and I'm feeling better. Like I'm feeling part of the created, right? Like we're not the only things that are created and living and breathing. My trees outside are, are living and breathing. Right. And I had this uh, facilitator at the Allender center that she had what she called a touch tree. And anytime she was feeling overwhelmed, she would go out and just put her hand on it. And she said, you can feel the warmth like coming from the tree. The tree is living and breathing. It is also created. And I was like, man, that is so weird and awesome at the same time. How yeah. does that work? It blows my mind. Wait, I mean, there's a whole, which actually I've been wanting to talk to somebody. Um, if you happen to know anybody in this field that um, the whole thing with trees, I mean, there's this whole aspect of it where they have their own community and how mm -hmm. they feed each other and how their root systems um, actually connect and they mm -hmm give each other uh, liquid, they, they, they nourish each other. And then when one tree knows that it's going to die, it actually shares its, is it the carbon dioxide, the, with the other trees. So it, it's kind of like th there's an intelligence. Yes. There, there's an intelligence in all of this. They have their own community. They have their own system of how they survive and how they connect beyond this space. We're so selfish to think, well, we're the only ones that yes, <laughs> only it's only all about us. Um, but they have their own system. And you said when you touch the ground, there is it immediately can't, you know, like what you said, it, it's feeling it's connection, which is what we all crave. Yes. Yes. And, and what, as you were talking about the trees, they already have. Like what? They don't like that's already in place for them. They already exist connected to each. And we're here. We are. We're all just like striving. Like somebody, please. Like you know, uh, I want to feel connected to somebody. Um, 
Yeah, that's, it's crazy. I, I take this, we take this business class for our nonprofit called Redwood United. And the guy, David Traga, please say his last name wrong. Anyway, <laughs> it's because Redwood trees have a very unique um, way of interconnecting. Their roots are really shallow. And so they all like bind together. So they are literally all connected and surviving in community with one another. And I'm like, isn't that beautiful? Mm. If only we could all be like that. I mean, that's what we strive to be. You gotta find your people, right? We talk yeah. about that all the time. But that's hard work. Finding your people is hard work. And here the trees are just like nailing life. <laughs> They're like, I got you. They're, they're I like, you. look to us. We will teach you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but I want to also bring up that point that you mentioned, too, of where you come in on the process. So you come in in the space where people have already, they've gone through, they've been removed from their situation. There's already been interventions involved. And you said, if I'm quoting you correctly, something to the effect of, okay, now I'm bored. <laughs> like, why did I? Yeah. Uh, it, this kind of isn't as exciting, even if it's in a um, not serving you way. Um, is it kind of like, what is my purpose here? What is my, you're just on the other side of it where you're trying to find like, what the hell is going on now? I think that we live in an instant, well, I know that we live in an instant gratification society, right? But there are so many of us that grow up in chaos and find ourselves addicted to that chaos. Yeah. And then when it's quiet, we start to think, what can I do to fuck this up? Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, at least that's my <laughs> thought. Those are my inner narratives. What can I do to mess this up? Obviously, this is going too well. Before somebody else messes it up, I need to. Right. But yeah, you get to a point of like, is this really what I left for? My life was awful, um, but it was at least exciting. You know, <laughs> like I never knew what was going to happen each day, um, even though in, in most cases you're, you're fearing for your life. Um, but coming out of that and getting used to quote unquote normal, getting used to settled, ooh, that rubs, I know that rubs me the wrong way. I am, it, it is not a comfortable place for me to be, which tells me that I'm still living out of my trauma. I'm still living in my past experiences. My past is not gone. It is not behind me. It is very present. Um, and that there's still more work to do. There's always more work to do. There just is. Yeah. But if we don't get to the point to say, if you, I always say you have to be sick and tired of being sick and tired. If we can't get to that point, we're not going to do good healing work because we're going to miss it. We're going to do other things instead. We're going to cope with our favorite addictions, whatever that is, you know. Um, addictions come in all shapes and sizes, right? Um, yeah. We're going to try to cope with it. We're going to try to do un seemingly culturally acceptable, healthy things. But really, we're not getting to the root of the problem and dealing with what really lies underneath. Yeah. Have to be sick and tired of being sick and tired. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
Yeah, because we'll stay in that dysfunction. And um, for me, and you know, in a sense, which I've said many times in this space, but at 51, I just got to the point with my job where I was just so, for me, it was, I, I was kind of so hard on myself and kind of, I knew that I was ready to move on to something else as far as the workspace went. Yeah. But I kept putting up with it and I kept saying, no, um, this is what I'm supposed to be doing, blah, blah, blah. And then when I got sick and tired of it and that piece of paper came to me and said, are you coming back in the fall? And I was like, no, no, thank <laughs> oh, you for no. asking. Thank you for finally <laughs> asking me the question I've been begging people to ask me my entire life. <laughs> no, I'm not. And I'm ready to say, honestly, instead of just doing this thing that, you know, is expected, no, mm. Ooh, what's expected? That's a good, that's a good word. What's expected? Because why would you leave your job where you know you're going to get paid every two weeks, mm -hmm. even though the pay is crappy, but is paycheck. So why would you do that? And these kids, they need art teachers mm -hmm. and they need people like you in the space. But maybe which, they don't need you. Mm. Yeah. Or just different. Yeah. Just needs to be different. It's self-care. It's kind of like when you realize how much, how, how much are you serving? How much are you, what, if you have a feeling which you're this person too, you want to be of service. Mm -hmm. So you want to take your stories or whatever. You want to help people like you, like we, I titled this, the power of the story to change and shape people's lives. I personally want to be able to empower people to see that they have a voice and expression and I want them to feel like they can be expressive because if you're not expressive and you keep in whatever form that looks like, then you're going to feel miserable yes. <laughs> and you're going to feel, you're going to get physically ill and you're just going to, you're just going to feel miserable. But it's picking that space, that space for me at the time in the classroom, even after doing it for 30 years, it, it, it needed to change. Hmm. Yeah. And be, I mean, for me, I, I love change. Uh, my husband jokes all the time that we will never live in one place for, you know, a decade. That would be insane to me. Um, I love change. You know, I, like I said, I was addicted to chaos. Kind of still am a little bit, obviously. Um, but I, I, so many people are afraid of the change as well. And so then they don't step out and take those risks. Yeah. And they just miss out. They miss out. We miss out. We miss out on them not taking the chance to. I know plenty of people that do a really great job at their job. But just because you do something really well does not mean that that's what you're supposed to do. Yes. Yes. Does it bring you joy? Mm. Bring you satisfaction, you know. I mean, any job, even you go out, you start your own business, you're like, this is going to be great, and then you run into all the pitfalls of being an entrepreneur, and you're like, this was a horrible idea. Um, mm -hmm. Now, is every day magical, rain, rainbow, unicorns, and sprinkles? <laughs> yes, yes, it is. No, yes, <laughs> no, it's not. It's Hell like yes. When, when people were like, you should have kids. It's great. You liar. <laughs> you are a liar and you are going to the pit of hell. Some days are great, okay? <laughs> As good outweighs the bad. But yeah, still.
<laughs> I always joke because my kids are uh, 18 and 21. And um, when stuff happens, it's just like there is no manual. There is like at one point my son yeah. said, well, when did you expect this to happen? I'm like, well, let's see. On page 246 <laughs> yes. in the book, it said we were going to be having this conversation. I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> I, I never thought about it. And I, I didn't, didn't get that far yet. <laughs> I, did, I didn't think about any of this. And I'm just trying to process my emotions right now and separate myself yeah. from like, I need, a se I need a second to think. All right. <laughs> I will never forget when we sat down and told our probably then 14 or 15 year old son, you know, we've never done this before. And he's like, what are you talking about? I'm like, we've never raised a 14 year old before. And he was like dumbfounded that like, what? I'm like, and I'm like, we don't know what we're doing. Like, I'm sorry to just now clue you in, but like, it's so funny. we're learning on the go, dude. Like, I don't know what else to tell you, you know? And then. You're the, the oldest one, so we've never been through this before. You're the first pancake, and you always burn the first pancake. I'm sorry. I have money for therapy. Okay? That's all I got. You're not, you don't want to go to college? Cool. Here's 10 grand for therapy. I'm sorry. I always used to tell my kids, I said, look, write it down. So when you're sitting in your therapist's office, you're at least telling the truth. <laughs> Because it's going to get all distorted as you get older. So yeah. then I'm going to be blamed for something I didn't really do. <laughs> so I'm like, just write it down, please. Oh. And then my, my daughter would always say, I'm not going to therapy. I'm like, I'm just saying. Oh, trust me, you are. <laughs> you don't know it yet, but I'm just ahead of you. Let me tell you. Don't worry. And it will all be my fault. It's fine. It's fine. I go to therapy too. We'll go together. We'll get a discount. <laughs> You get a therapist. You get a therapist. You get it. Yeah. All the things. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay. So let's move on to the second question, which is, so for you, you mentioned some things. How do you incorporate more creativity into your own life? Hmm. Damn. So I consider myself to be an empath. So I'm seeing and feeling the vibes of like people all day long, right? I didn't believe in vibes for the longest time. And then I'm like, oh, I'm getting a vibe. I don't know what else to call it. But I find creativity in that. I'm a healing coach. So I walk with women through their stories of past hurts and traumas and guide them to freedom and healing. And that looks different for every person. So while the facts of who we are, how we were created, um, what has happened to us along the way never changes, the way we heal is all very different, right? We talked about people having different experiences and bringing <clears throat> something different out of it. And I, I think of 10 people at an event that was traumatizing. So <clears throat> recently um, here in Texas, like we've all heard about the Astro Fest and the deaths at that concert. Yeah. Um, based on what we know about trauma and the side effects of said trauma, all of those people should be walking out of that event with PTSD. But here's the thing. They don't, they won't, they actually won't all develop PTSD because everyone experiences trauma differently and processes that trauma differently based on not only natural, but nurturing environmental aspects as well. That's creative. Like, even our trauma is creative in the way it's processed in our bodies. And the way I work is very, you know, spirit led. I don't go into any session with an agenda. I have a plan of what I believe should or could happen but I'm not going to guide us in a way that counteracts the natural. 
like what's supposed to happen. I don't need to lead you there or pull you by the arm to get there. I just need to show you that I need to show you the path. I need to show you that there is a path and you'll walk it if you want to. Hmm. So you weren't always like this though, because you, had, no. <laughs> because you said that like when, you know, earlier when you were saying, you know, touch the tree and touch the ground, you were like, what? So here you're talking about being spirit led. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like when did that all kick in? Man, I don't know. Um, <laughs> um, man, the process of deconstructing what you were taught in life to where you are now is a very long and arduous road. And I don't feel like I'm still all the way there. Right. Um, I would say I was raised a certain way, believed a certain thing. Um, I was raised in the church. I was raised in two very um, prominent domination, uh, denominations, <laughs> um, one Catholic, one Southern Baptist. Now, if those two don't hit heads more than <laughs> anyone else. So just know I've always been a very confused child. I went to mass on Saturday with the grandparents. And then on Sunday, I went wherever my mom was deciding we were going that day. Mm-hmm. Um, so deconstructing all the things that you were taught as a child, the way that you were raised and the things that rub against you wrong. And then you realize, hmm, that made me uncomfortable for a reason. I should pay attention to that. That's kind of the space I've been in in the last seven years, I would mm-hmm. say. Mm-hmm. You know, you go, you fall into familiar patterns. Like we say this all the time with, with trauma and getting into relationships. You are attracted to what you know and what's familiar. Um, the hardest thing I ever heard was um, last year for, at the Allender Center um, during a marriage conference where they said, you marry what you know. And I thought, son of a bitch, (laughs) if that doesn't sting like a wasp on a Sunday with the, you know, sun coming through the wood, I don't know what, what else does that, that hurts. And it's true. Um, We gravitate towards the familiar. So whatever you were raised in, however you were raised, um, you bring that into all the decisions that you make. And then if you choose to walk the path of healing, you are deconstructing that, taking out all the bullshit that doesn't belong and sifting through what's left and holding it up and saying, am I going to believe this? Is this, is this what, is this good for me? Is, does this serve me? If not, throw in the trash heap. Keep moving. And then you're going to pick other things up along the way from other people that, um, are brought into your life. I don't believe you meet people by chance. I believe that you have people you're supposed to meet. There's a reason you took the left instead of the right. There's a reason that you bumped into the same person in three different stores and you've never seen the person in your life. There's a reason for all of that. And all these people that you meet and that you maybe vibe with and become friends with, the places that you go, the things that you hear, they're all making up who you are in a sense. <laughs> so I think just the, the journey of my, my life is like <laughs> bumpy. Right. And instead of trying to go back and like smooth over those bumps on that road, 
And we learned about bigger challenges. I think I'm just like taking those bumps and instead sitting in the pain of it, turning around saying, okay, how can I use this? How can this serve not only myself, but someone else? Turning, taking the pain and turning it into pain. Yeah. Well, and it's not being a victim. It's that whole victim mentality of um, which, you know, we all live in at certain points. Um, Some people don't leave that victim mentality um, and they choose, you know, I do believe it's choice, even though it may not feel like it's choice because there's a lot of mindset stuff going on there. Um, And like you said, if you, you, we're always deconstructing um, uh, what we're, how we're raised has a big impact on, you know, our life. And we can either choose to stay in that and accept it or deconstruct it and change it. Uh, my husband and I were talking recently where he was saying, um, you know, we often have eaten the same way for generations. Mm-hmm. Um, he's like, but you changed, like I changed that when I became a vegetarian, like 26 years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, not a full on, just kind of like not eating, not eating meat where my family ahead of time had always eaten meat. Um, So he's like, just by doing that, making that switch, you changed, you altered your family history. Yes. Which by, and my kids, it's kind of like, they kind of eat meat. Don't, there's like a whole different, a wider, array and range of food and awareness all from that one decision. There's, there's this great book called my grandmother's hands and it talks about generational trauma and it actually talks more specifically about, uh, racial generational trauma and how we all carry the trauma of our ancestors in our bodies. So as women, we are born with all of the eggs inside of our body that we'll ever have right but those eggs lived inside our mother's bodies and lived inside their mother's bodies so technically i was in my grandmother's body so when she experienced trauma in the 30s and in the 40s and lived through world war ii and the great depression and um you know the korean war when her husband went off to uh the korean war and and all all of that trauma i was there for and lives still lives inside my body. Fascinating book, fascinating book. And just being able to name the harm that was done to them and realize that harm still lives in us, not only just interpersonally in the way that we interacted, right? In the way that she raised me, in the way that she disciplined me and things like that. But talking about like embodied trauma, it, it's, it blows my, talk about creative, right? Um, it blows my mind that I'm carrying the trauma of a woman that was born in 1935. You know, there's a reason that she did the way things that she did. And I may have picked up those habits with her, um, just being around her, right? Environmentally. Uh, but there's a reason that we all behave the same way because we're all connected there. And when you make the decision to not do that anymore, you are breaking a generational bond, right? And you're taking a different trajectory and that's huge. And being at like a gener, like what they call it, like a curse breaker or something. I, there's like a 
there's like a term that they use for it or whatever. Um, but when you're breaking that generational bond of trauma, like that's hard, hard, hard work. But then that has the domino effect, the ripple effect for all the, the ones that will come after you, right? Um, hopefully we're, you know, trying our very best to do that with our children. I think, I think everyone is in a way. Um, yeah. whether they acknowledge it or not. But if we don't first acknowledge that there is harm done, that the people that we love, and like for me, I idolize my grandmother, um, love, loved her with everything I have. To me, she's perfect, right? But that's also harmful. If I don't acknowledge that that she did harm to me, I can't, I can't feel for me. I can't mm-hmm. grieve those wounds of my harm if I don't acknowledge that they're there. Right, right. And and healing is is a grieving process. Healing involves grief. If you're not willing to name and grieve, then you can't heal. I, I don't know what else to tell you. You can try to do all the other things, but grief is just a part of the healing process. Yeah. You, you have to go through the ick. You have to go through whatever comes up to get like, to go back to the gardening metaphor to get at the root of it. Yeah. You have yeah. to get at the root. When you're, I had a bush, okay, by my garden. I could could not get rid of, ugly as hell. I was like, I have to take this out. My husband's solution to getting rid of the bushes, you know, just chainsaw the top of them off. (laughs) You're brilliant, dear. Thank you. Um, But I was like, no, this one, this one's coming out and I see where you're, like, I see the bottom of your root. Or do I? right? Dig down a little bit deeper. And that thing is all twisted and turn up like underneath the garage. And so I'm like trying to dig and dig and dig and it's messy. Digging up those roots, trying to find the bottom of the root is messy. And then I put my shovel underneath this, whatever kind of bush it was. I think I finally found the bottom and I'm trying to like use my weight on the shovel to pop it up out of the ground. And if I dig down hard enough, dig down far enough and lean and put my weight on it enough, it pops right up. But that's messy, dirty, sweaty work. And that's God, so much visualization going on there. Like you, you were literally like with your words, you were painting a picture in my head. I was, I was like taken through the journey of seeing the whole thing of digging in, going under the garage, like <laughs> having the shovel but I think that's really important too in communication. Like as you are, as you're explaining this, as you're um, emoting this and using your words in, a, in an effective way, you're, you're, painting, you're painting pictures. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I mean, words are, I mean, I'm a writer. So like I, love to write. I love words. I, I can't write a short story to save my life. Um, but, oh, it's so creative. And like, there's just so many things there that just, I just love words. And they're so okay. useful. Okay. So you like to write. Do. Um, do you, what else do you do? Is there anything you can think of that you can share that you'd like to do for just like fun? I like to watch. No. Um, <laughs> I... My daughter's very creative. She loves to draw. Um, I'm not great at drawing, um, but we're not talking loves- about drawing. I know. I know. <laughs> Take that out. Um, <laughs> man, 
she she loves to paint wanted to be a really good painter I'm also not a good painter um you don't have to be yeah um <laughs> but just like, to put something I do I love making something out of nothing if there's nothing there and I can figure out a way to put something there and make it more beautiful whatever that looks like I don't know but I mean really in anything I mean, just listening to you. So listeners, we, I have just met Wendy besides this pre-chat that we had. And you are a very funny person. <laughs> like you are, but it, it's, it's funny in a very natural way. You're talking about real life things. And I have to say, this is like a creativity in, yes, it's the use of your words, but there's also an energy that's just going along with it where, um, you're just very like in the moment. And like you said, you're, you're just, you're, you're a creator. We're all creators, but yeah. this sense you have, you have a true passion. Like you really know what, you know what your why is. Yes. <laughs> and you really know what your why is. And you are very steadfast in that. And like on that path, it's not a question. And it's not like, oh, she figured out her why at 25. No. <laughs> um, but just pressing in more and more to be like, hmm, why am I doing this? And why am I not doing that one thing anymore that I was doing before? And where is this taking me? And just being curious about that. that, that like, I still don't feel like I've arrived. You know, I do feel more confident in what I'm doing right now. And I do feel really good about doing that well. But as far as like, do I feel like this is the end all be all? No, I feel like there's something more to you. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, I mean, we're all about expansion and that's how we grow, right? It's like exploring, expressing and expanding. I mean, that's what we strive to do yes. in order to, to just grow as humans. And I was just thinking before we get to this third question, um, I remember my daughter at one point said to my mom, my mom was going on about something because my mom was feeling guilty about something and she didn't know how to respond to somebody about something. And my daughter at like 12 or 13, she said, you know what? It's really not my problem. <laughs> <laughs> and my mom stopped for a minute and she went, oh my God, Skylar, you just taught me a life lesson. Yeah. It's not my problem. It's not my problem. <laughs> like, I can like use that as my mantra. Like it's not my problem. And Skylar's like, right. Like she just was like very straightforward. Like, I don't see what you're stressing about. Like exactly. All you have to say is it's not my problem. I, I can't tell you how many times my kids have been like this sage piece of wisdom where I'm like, okay, cool. Thank you. Three-year-old for pointing out that that man is just a boy. What? Okay. Exactly. You're right. I don't know why I never thought of that myself. <laughs> but that's why we're like too close. We're like in the hole. We're in it. Too and close we can't to the fire. Stay. Too close yeah. to the fire. So as we wrap this up, um, we're going to tie it up with the question of, so why do you think creativity is important? Creativity is our life and our breath. 
It's the air that we breathe and it's what's flowing through our blood. Like we are created. We didn't just show up here one day. Even if you don't believe in a higher power, you were formed in your mother's womb, right? You were created over time. It took time to make you, to cook you, to birth you. And for you to be the person that you're in, that you are in the here and now, that took time. If we're not taking the time to notice and appreciate that, we're not being fully present in our own lives and we're missing the whole point. So I love this song by Need to Breathe. He says, I just need room to be wrong sometimes. That's all I'm hoping for. I feel like we could find it if we knocked on heaven's door. I'd say, God, I'm only human. You'd say, that's what I'm here for. So we're all here for the human experience. And sometimes that experience sucks and it's really painful. We don't get to, you know, pick your adventure book in this life. Like you don't get to pick like which, which way the story goes, right? Things happen. Um, one of my favorite sayings is shit happens. <laughs> the what happens? Shit happens. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Why? Because it sums up everything in life, right? good shit, bad shit. It's not the shit that matters. It's, it's what we decide to do with it as a result. So go ahead. Yeah. Do you really, do you really think though that we don't there? I I agree with you that there are things that we don't have control over, Mm -hmm. but do you think that we have no control? I think that we would rather have no control than have the control that we have. And that to say that we have, tried to control as much as we can to protect ourselves but we're exhausted by that control yes and we would rather have less mm-hmm. but ironically we don't live in that world right <laughs> like, yeah like you have this option right you have a choice and you can do absolutely nothing but by doing nothing you've already made the choice to let x y or z happen or in the case of healing from your trauma, you've made the choice to let that thing live. And I don't know very many people that like don't like to win. <laughs> um, I think of everything like in a spiritual sense, because I'm just that type of person. But I think of like good versus evil. In what world do we want evil to win? Right. There's the battle and then there's the war. And we want to keep fighting because we have many battles ahead of us. And even though we'll lose some, that doesn't mean we've lost the war and we live to fight another day. Mm. So why is creativity important? Because it's a part of who we are. It's part of who I am. If we're not accessing or naming that part of ourselves, we don't know who we truly are. We need to work on that part of self-awareness in ourselves. Creativity is where the goodness of who we are and who we were created to be lives. That's the soul part of us. And when I think of soul, I think of music, right? And how some songs move us and others don't. Like no two people can really be moved by like all the same songs, right? And the songs with soul in them um, don't not move anybody, right? They can still be popular and that artist can make like a lot of money because they made a catchy tune. But it, it may not mean anything to anybody and it's not necessarily going to mean anything to anyone else so other than some song that got stuck in your head you know one time back in 1995 Mm -hmm. whatever you're doing 
it has to have heart in it. It has to have their soul in it. Right? That's the creative part of ourselves. That's the gift we bring to the world. So bring it. Mm. Bring it. Bring it on. Bring it on. Oh my gosh. Great series. Just kidding. <laughs> Please tell people how they can find you. I am on all the social medias. I'm on Facebook, uh, Instagram, and TikTok at Mrs. Wendy J. Olson, M-R-S, W-E-N-D-Y, J-O-L-S-O-N. Um, my website, you can read my blog or what I'm doing with the nonprofit and all about my coaching at she's got gumption.com. Um, yeah, all the places. So beautiful. I so appreciate you taking this hour to talk and you're just, yeah, you're amazing. You're just really fun. Thank you. I appreciate you bringing me on and, and this conversation has been really good. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. So everybody, I appreciate everybody being here live, those catching the replay. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. This space is all about inspiring each other, sharing stories and connection. I believe we've always needed this, but I think now we need it more than ever. Um, so please like, follow, share, hear these inspiring stories, reach out to these incredible people so we can just uplift each other. Um, yeah. So there we go. So I wish you a good morning, a good afternoon, a good evening, wherever you are in this world. And we'll talk to you again soon. So goodbye, everybody. Bye. Thank you. Feeling inspired? There are so many ways to do things for you, to get yourself moving, to get your creative juices flowing, and to have fun. Check out I Am Creative and Express Yourself Publishing. Go to IamCreativePhilly.com. IamCreativePhilly, P-H-I-L-L-Y.com. And check out the experiential kits. Check out Creative Shui which is all about creative inspiration and guidance. And for Express Yourself Publishing, there's so many multi-author book opportunities. So I would love to chat with you so much. Everybody has, everybody's creative. Everybody has a voice. Everybody has an expression. And I can't wait to meet you. Thank you so much for taking this hour to listen to our stories and share the energy. And I wish you a wonderful morning, afternoon, evening, wherever you are in this world. Bye, everybody. <laughs>